0: Welcome to the Wise Up Texas podcast. Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan, nonprofit, empowering and educating Texas South Asians to be informed voters and partake in civic engagement. You can visit our website, wiseuptx.org, and find us on all social media platforms. This is Poonam Kaji, Wise Up Texas board member and today's host. I want to take a minute and remind you all that there is an election coming up in November. So this will be statewide uh, constitutional amendments. So remind your friends to vote. This is one of those elections that people tend to skip, but um, get to your polling place. Early voting will be in October. Stay tuned on Up Texas social media so you don't miss any of those dates. And we'll also share what will be on the ballot so you can get ready. Today, we're gonna be digging into some really important topics that we've touched on in other podcasts or on social media, um, specifically the new election laws in Texas and some of the redistricting process. And to do this, we brought in a subject matter expert, Lewis Bedford, who is an attorney, a civil rights activist, who's going to tell us more about what's going on and really break it down for us. So thanks for joining us, Lewis.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Can you just start by introducing yourself to our followers?
1: Of course. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Lewis Bedford. I am legal counsel for Dallas area Texas State Senator Royce West. Interesting note, my grandfather was the first black judge of Dallas County and Senator West was one of his mentees. So it's kind of full circle.
0: Awesome. It's a very cool story. So I know you've done um, work, not only in this position, but in the past, looking at voting rights and our, our rights when it comes to access to vote. And that's become a big issue as we look at some of the things that happened in the Texas legislature this session. So um, everybody's probably heard of it by now, but in case they haven't, we're talking about um, SB1. So this legislative session, there was quite a showdown. Uh, There there was discussions about um, new laws that would restrict access to voting by limiting mail-in ballot applications, drive-through voting, etc. The Texas Democrats fled the session to prevent a quorum. They eventually returned, and a version of the bill did pass. So what, what are we looking at now? What changes have been made to elections here in Texas?
1: Well, you you touched on a lot of the major provisions of SB1, but before we go into what changed, I want to talk about why these changes are even happening in the first place. During the 2020 election, we saw millions of people come out and vote in a different way than they had in past elections due to the pandemic. And on top of that, we had the Republican candidate for president lose and even, even did this after multiple claims of election fraud. And it appears as though the Republican Party in the state and across the country is actively working to make sure that this cannot happen again by making voting harder. So whenever we are talking about what are we stuck with, here's a general idea. We're looking at a ban on drive-through voting, new regulations on early voting hours, including a ban on 24-hour voting, a ban on distribution of mail-in ballot applications, new ID requirements for voting by mail, a correction process for mail-in voting, enhancing poll worker protections as well, and just a lot of other issues. And unfortunately, a lot of these changes will go into effect on December 2nd. So there is a lot that we have to look forward
0: to. So as you know, Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan organization, but we did take a specific stance on this law because data shows that this could negatively impact communities of color. Um, I often use Harris County as an example. Um, Houston area has a lot of folks in the South Asian community who utilize these different ways of voting, um, drive-through voting, um, longer hours to get to the poll. Um, Democrats argued in the Texas State House that this law negatively impacts communities of color. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Of course, so once again, I wanna put this in context. Texas is a majority-minority state, and as such, not everyone in Texas speaks English. In 2015, the Texas Tribune wrote an article that stated, of the nearly 24 million people in Texas five years or, uh, five years or older, 65% speak only English at home, and the rest speak more than 160 languages combined, and this has only increased since 2015. Texans of color accounted for 95% of the state's population growth since 2010. And then the 2020 census put the state's population at a little over 29 million, a 16% jump for the 25.1 million in 2010. Non-Hispanic white Texans make up just 39.8% of the state's total population, down from 45% in 2010. These changing demographics are also a main reason why these laws are being passed in the first place. One of the provisions in SB1, I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, were the rules for voter assistance, which means that people who want to help family members who are non-English speakers or non-English speakers themselves who want to be able to vote could find themselves in a situation where resources and translators are not available. Also, voter education is a very key element to this as well there's been a lack of investment in communities of color to make sure that we have the information that we need to be able to participate in our democratic process. And this is regardless of party affiliation. More so when you consider citizenship checks, changing voting hours, new requirements on voting by mail, it seems like we're stacking one horrible rule on top of another, unfortunately just playing on some of the worst elements of voter suppression. With that said, there were some positives that ended up happening in SB1. Um, If you move to a new county, you're able to change your voter registration online. And previously, that was not the case. You can only do that if you are moving within the same county. But also, voting access ended up being expanded in Denton County as well, where now you're able to vote at any polling location on election day rather than only voting at your particular precinct? Um, I,
0: I wanna get a little bit into the Voting Rights Act, which does come into play when we're talking about this issue. I know both of us are attorneys and most of our followers are not, so I'll try not to make this too legalese, but this is a really important part of what's happening right now in our country. The Voting Rights Act was recently watered down by the Supreme Court. Section two of the act does bar voting procedures that result in denial or abridgment of the right of any citizen of the United States to vote on account of race or color. But the Supreme Court of the United States recently held in Arizona that measures that could restrict voting um, and might have an impact on people of color were still not enough to be restrictive and basically allow those to go forward. How does all that play out compared to what we saw here in Texas?
1: Well, at issue in this case were two Arizona laws. One banned the collection of absentee ballots by anyone other than a relative or caregiver, and the other threw out any ballots that were cast in the wrong precinct. And when the Supreme Court reinstated these state laws, even after a federal appeals court struck them down, the Supreme Court declared that unequal impact on minorities in the context of these laws was relatively minor, and that other states also had similar laws, much like Texas, and that these laws were trying to be passed in the event of trying to prevent fraud. And when the Supreme Court does this, it just they did it with the idea of just because voting is inconvenient for some doesn't mean that access to voting is unequal and that the mere fact that there is some disparity in impact does not necessarily mean that the system itself is not equally open. So that's just something that we need to keep in context whenever we are considering the fact that counties in Texas are now limited to only being able to have one mail in ballot drop off location per county narrowing the early voting times but something I do want everybody to think about is whenever you hear the terms election fraud and voter fraud, whenever those terms get thrown around, I want people to realize that the true fraud of a voting system is not one where people are trying to vote more than once or an eligible voter is trying to vote at all. It's one that actively tries to make people believe that they can participate when federal, state, and local actors are actively trying to prevent them from doing so. That's the true fraud.
0: Yeah, no, I I think what we saw with the Supreme Court saying, hey, this Arizona law is okay, and, you know, unless you're basically explicitly saying you cannot go to the poll based on your race, Um, It sounds like a lot of laws are going to get a green light. And that's what we're seeing across the country, not only in Texas, but elsewhere. Um, And it requires advocates for voting like us to go that extra mile then to make sure that um, communities do come out and vote and overcome any hurdles uh, to be able to do that. You know, even just getting off work is one of the biggest hurdles to being able to go vote um again leaning on the example of Harris County they extended voting into a 24-hour process and that helped a lot of people vote um last time so these are the things that i think we'll have to tackle as we go forward um i want to stay on this topic of the voting rights act for just a minute because it's playing out in a different way as well as we speak it used to include provisions about redistricting so We're talking a lot about redistricting and that's the drawing of maps, right? Because where I live versus where Lewis lives, we might have different people represent us depending on how the map looks. And right now our Texas lawmakers are creating those maps because we just went through a census. So this is a once in every 10 years, big moment um, that we recreate these maps. And it used to be the case that states that had a history of discrimination and voting laws had to pre-clear the maps with the federal judge. And Texas, unfortunately, has had that history. Many times the maps have not been approved or have gone through litigation to be amended um, to get to a better, closer to a fair map. Um, but that part of the law was also gutted by SCOTUS in the last decade, by the Supreme Court in the last decade. So, This is the first time um, since that decision that we're in the midst of redistricting and we don't have that type of oversight as we're making the maps. So can you tell us, um, give us a little update on what's happening so far and and what can our followers be doing to, to make sure our maps are fair?
1: I mean, as you were saying, this is the first redistricting process without the protections of the Voting Rights Act. And because of that, we've seen a lot more more oppressive efforts being taken in order to try to make sure that people of color aren't going to have the representation that is duly deserved because of population percentages. So I just want to say this, I've been involved in the map making process. Uh, as someone who works for one of the state senators in the area. And I, I just wanna put it out there that it has become clear that the party in charge has made it an effort in order to try to pick up seats wherever they can. And to put that a face on it, there is a state senator by the name of Beverly Powell, who is a democratic senator out of Tarrant County. And she represents a minority coalition district, which means that in her district, of Black, Hispanic, Asian, AAPI, end up making over 50% of the total population in the district. And now after these changes to her map, she's gonna end up not just representing Tarrant County, but she's gonna represent parts of Tarrant County all the way out to Abilene. And that is very much done in an effort in order to weaken the voices of people of color in her district. And what makes this worse is that even though 95% Of the state's growth came from people of color, the state found no compelling reason to include race as even a factor in its redistricting process. So by even refusing to acknowledge the changing racial dynamics of the state, it has been made clear that the unfortunate reality that the state has no intention of providing adequate representation to its constantly changing citizenry.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. I I know for me, when I looked at some of the drafts so far, so we're still in the draft phase and we're just seeing, you know, what the maps might look like, but I I could visibly see it and recognize parts of the DFW Metroplex that do have a concentration of a certain community, right? Sometimes, you know, that's where there's a, a big South Asian community. The restaurants are there, the places of worship are there. And the maps are supposed to be drawn to reflect communities and allow them to, um, you know, get get what they need as constituents. And it's interesting to literally be able to look at it and say, oh, it looks like that's been intentionally split up uh, to some extent. So I I think it's really important that hopefully we bring home for our followers and our listeners that this redistricting process is going to have a big impact. Um, What do you think all this means for the upcoming midterm election in 2022?
1: I, I think it once again just shows how important elections are and elections truly do have consequences. And I think with that in mind, we just need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to be able to vote. Because if you look at who's going to be on the ballot in 2020, It's not just the governor, it's also going to be US House members. Every state senator is going to end up needing to run again. We have state House members, not to mention that some local areas are going to have city council races, too. So just all that being considered, there was just so much at stake for going into the 2022 election. And these are the people who are going to be shaping policy, not just for our cities and our towns, but for the whole state. So there's definitely a lot on the line in the 22, 2022 election, and we just need to make sure that we keep that in mind moving forward.
0: I think that's right. I think 2022 is going to be a huge midterm, unlike many others, because it's been 10 years since we redid the maps. And it's just going to be a moment in Texas, too, for us to really decide um, what do we want our state to look like and and what kind of leadership do we want? And I think what we always want are fair maps and advocacy for voting rights.
1: Well, more than anything, I just want people to know that like freedom is not passive. Freedom is something that we have to actively fight for every day and we need to do our absolute best to make sure our voices are heard. So even whenever it comes to reaching out to your representatives, Make sure it's not just your state representatives. Reach out to your county commissioners. Reach out to your city councilors. Use the different community organizations and just make sure that you are using the resources that are available to you. And just also show up. The most important thing that we can do right now is show up and make sure that our voices are heard. People might not listen to us, but they cannot say that we weren't there. And also, lastly, voting is only a small piece of the puzzle showing up is only a small piece of the puzzle. In order for us to do this and to do this effectively, it has to be in a collaborative, collective effort to make sure that we're able to move forward together and not just by ourselves. And at the end of the day, we need to do everything we possibly can to demand that our voices matter, to demand that we are heard, and ultimately to rise up to make sure that we are able to have a say in the world that happens around us
0: said like a true civil rights activist. And I think that's absolutely right. We want people to feel fired up about this topic, not only during election, presidential election years, but all the time, you know, this is your community. This is your role as a citizen. And it's fun to be an active citizen. You know, (laughs) sometimes we come from a place of being riled up and upset about something. But the truth is, it's really fun to get active and to feel like you are a part of building a community around you and that you're not just a subject. Uh, we're not subjects with a king, right? We live in a democracy and we get to play a part in the community and the society we live in. So thank you so much for that. Um, are there any other words I want to make sure if there's anything else you wanted to share with our followers or any, anything else you'd like them to know? We've covered a lot in a short time.
1: Yeah, we definitely have. And I, I know I have a favorite quote and I just it wouldn't be me if I didn't say that to the, your followers. It's just, Frederick Douglas once said, power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. So whenever we are thinking about how we move forward, we need to make sure that we are demanding the changes that we actively want. And also making sure that if there are elected officials who are representing our values, we elevate them. But if there are people who are not, we actively try to get them out of office.
0: Thanks, Louis. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for being willing to stop by and talk about this pretty complicated subject matter with the expertise that you did and breaking it down for our listeners. I appreciate it so much. That concludes our interview for today. Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan and nonprofit organization, but we welcome interviews with candidates and political leaders who want to reach out to our South Asian followers. Wise Up Texas does not endorse any candidates or political party. You can find a recording of this podcast on most platforms where podcasts are available, and select episodes will air on Radio Azad and DFW. Thanks for listening. Get educated, get wiser, and start giving a hoot with Wise Up Texas.